Hi, my name is Shaheen Chaudhry, and welcome to How I Lead Change, a podcast about executives leading successful human-centric changes in their organizations. I hope that you and your loved ones are staying safe and healthy. COVID-19 has brought on unprecedented and unplanned changes with severe impacts on society across the globe. We are all in this together. Therefore, with this spirit, we have put together a special edition of the How I Lead Change podcast to share what leaders are doing to navigate this challenging time. Today on our show, I am joined by Larry Rodo, President and CEO at Four Refuel, a leader in mobile refueling in Canada and the United States. Thanks for joining me today, Larry. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So let's dive right in with our first question. Larry, tell us about 40 Fuel. Well, we're, um, we started off as a family business in Langley, British Columbia. We are a last mile distributor of fuel, uh, diesel, marked and clear, DEF. Uh, we deliver gasoline and we're doing lubricants. So a number of, a number of solutions like that. We're all across Canada. We're, we're the largest in Canada. We expanded into uh, the great state of Texas in 2014 and have now become the largest uh, last mile mobile on site refueler in Texas. And uh, tell me a little bit about the recent uh, uh, acquisition by Finning of for refuel and becoming part of that family. Yeah, it's been a it's been a really great experience. We were, uh, as I said, we were a family business. Uh, and from there, we uh, we were sold into private equity. And we went through a, a few owners in private equity and, and candidly, both experiences were quite good. They were they were great organizations. Uh, and, and of course, you know, you, you really get resolutely focused on on uh, cost and, and uh, growth and service and so forth. And from that experience, uh, you know, we continued to grow the business and just felt it was time um, for a new ownership and, and uh, we sold the company to Finning International, which is the world's largest Caterpillar dealer uh, based in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And they're a really terrific operator and uh, they've got a terrific sales organization. And it made sense because uh, a great percentage of my clients are construction and mining. And so their, their uh, connectivity into that field and, and my reach in, into that world as well just made a lot of sense. So now we have a, what I'll say is a very effective, a private equity trained business that came from the values of family. Uh, and, and our core values were people, passion, purpose, pride. And we've never lost that all throughout the years. We're 25 years old this year. And, uh, and we have just fit into Finning. We had a great integration plan. They're, they've got a lot of really clever people and they do very well at project management. The integration went well. Culturally, we look the same just from a scale standpoint. They're a very, very large organization, but they had some guiding principles. And one of them was don't break it, which was really nice to hear. And, uh, and candidly, I think, you know, I know we're learning a lot from Finning uh, and I hope to think that they're learning some things from us, but it has really been a terrific marriage between the two orgs. Great to hear that there's a good alignment between the two organizations. Um, what has been the impact of COVID on your business? Well, you know, of course it's affected every business and, and a large part of my customer base is construction and mining. So when, when Quebec 
shut down and and Quebec shut down construction very fast. Um, that knocked out a, a good percentage of my business in Quebec. But um, I'll tell you a couple of things. First of all, we're a network-based operation, which means we're in many different geographies across Canada and then in Texas. And there's been a varying degree of lockdown in each one of those regions. Uh, and so it allows us to lean on one region when another one is, is, is uh, weaker. Um, we're also defined as an essential service. And so we've been allowed to operate. So during the entire COVID-19 uh, crisis, we have been operational. Now, we're scaling our business, of course, to volume and activities uh, as that declines. For example, school buses are, are uh, we do a lot of work in education, school buses, and when they're not running, there's no buses to fuel. So we would scale our business accordingly. But, but honestly, we've been operational every single day and we've been meeting the needs of our clients because they've been operational. We service hospitals and first responders and you know, emergency crews and so forth. Okay, that's great to hear. Uh, how are people in your organization coping with the changes that are happening? When I think, when I think about this, um, you know, I, I think about there's the business side of it, then there's the personal side, and and, and you know, for refuel, I said to you, we're 25 years old. And we've been through so much. We, we've been through uh, the blackouts in Ontario. We've been through the wildfires in Fort McMurray. You know, we worked through Hurricane Harvey in Texas and Irma in Florida. Uh, you know, we had a cyber attack candidly in 2017. Um, and then the Ontario fuel shortage. You know, I share all these with you because uh, we have a history of navigating through crisis. We have a great business model. We have a product and a service that's needed. And we seem to do well uh, during crisis. So we are standing up. We have stood up. Uh, the challenge with COVID-19 is, is the unknown of the health scare and the, the unpredictability of, is my family going to get sick? Am I going to get sick? So the employees have responded. I invest a lot in, in our people uh, because I believe, that, you know, business is always about people. Business is a team game and so you really rely on all departments to work together. So they have stood up tall uh, from a business perspective and we've been very fortunate. We had one driver that uh, tested positive for uh, COVID-19. Uh, they self-quarantined. They're now back to work. They've recovered nicely. And so the mood and morale, which is what I'm gauging always closely, is uh, is quite positive. And what I'm after is, is I always go after what I call discretionary effort. I don't just want someone showing up to work. I want to get the best out of them because mm -hmm. customers today, you know, they demand the best for all the right reasons. And discretionary effort is volunteered. I can't demand it. Someone does their job to their job description to what we expect and they keep their job and, and they, they can grow their career. But that's never enough for me. I'm always interested in people going above and beyond. And that's the way you beat competition and that's the way you grow market share. And in doing so, uh, I've and, and I've worked for a lot of really great people uh, throughout my career, and I've been able to learn from so many different people. I've landed on uh, accountability, Shaheen, is really, really important to me. 
And so I had this theory of accountability, which is give employees the tools to do the job, the training on those tools, and an environment of dignity in which to perform. And that environment of dignity is not only physical, in other words, the workspace, whether it's an office, it's a cubicle, or it's a truck, it should be in the best condition that it can be in for someone to operate. But an emotional environment of dignity, which is, I want people coming into work feeling valued and feeling cared about. And I once worked for a guy or worked with a guy whose attitude was hard on issues, soft on people. So attack the issue, don't attack the person. And so I would say between that philosophy, the, the philosophy of the theory of accountability, we've been able to build a consistent attitude and culture um, that people have grown accustomed to. So when something like COVID-19 hits, it's not like we're trying to change behavior because they know we've cared about them. And a funny thing happens when you care about somebody, generally they'll care back. And our our employees are paying us back with incredible discretionary efforts and 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 uh, care and, and you know value to the customer of, of doing the job right. Very inspiring to hear that, that you're doing so much to take care of your people and your organization. Um, please share with us how you are leading through this unprecedented change. Well, I've been working for 35 years, and I think this is drawing upon uh, every day of the learning I've had over the last 35 years because it's unknown. It's the worst crisis we've worked through. Candidly, I looked at this and I said, I can either, you know, feel down about this, uh, the impact it's having on our operating plan for 2020, the disruption to our lives, or I could take it as a challenge. And I am both, uh, my outlook is both positive and it's optimistic. And, And I know we have a history of success during difficult times, but I wanted to lead the organization through this in a very optimistic way to say, what are we going to learn from this? What's the silver lining that is going to come out of this? And how do we keep everybody safe and protected? And so what I really thought we need to do is hold our employees um, close in terms of communication and awareness and purpose. And, And I just know too many people who say, I don't know what's going on in my company. I don't know the direction. I don't know what to expect. And and when there's that level of uncertainty, listen, people have bills to pay. They've got families to, to feed. They have kids to, to pay tuition for and so forth. And I thought I need to remove as much anxiety as I possibly can by keeping people aware and informed of what's going on. So I started seven weeks ago a daily call with my leadership team. And I took the top 30 leaders of the company across Canada and across the state of Texas. And I hosted a call, it was all disciplines. And the first part of the call was educational, something about leadership, something we're learning about COVID-19, something that's happening in the marketplace. And really what I was trying to do was I was trying to distract them and use that time purposefully because we quickly moved everybody to work from home in order to protect them. We, we said, how do we get most people working from home? But I recognized that this was a population that hadn't historically worked from home. So mm. people are, are not just working from home. And I read this, it was 
they're actually at home working and it's very different, right? And they've got right. the distractions of life around them. And, and, um, and so we said, look, it's okay if your dog barks while you're on the Zoom call or your child comes running into the room because we're all in the same boat. So we brought an element of comfort to the reality of, of what they're living from home. We have this call. And so what we started to do is we started to go across the network and, and we said, okay, sales, what's happening in your region? Okay, director of operations, what's happening in your region? And, and we did this and what we learned was is someone had success that was replicated in other regions when maybe they were feeling down about the experience who's going to buy from us when we're when everybody's facing COVID-19 no one's going to be buying and we started proving through best practices that some salespeople were selling and promoting and and closing deals and then they started to be able to do that we were using zoom uh, they were able to do that electronically find a lead source it you know, uh, talk to the to the value prop and close the deal all electronic electronically. They hadn't done that before, so we had a chance to keep everybody aware of what each other is doing, and there was a sense of of fun competition. Well, if the folks in Quebec are selling and I'm out west, I better start mm -hmm. selling too. We also had our support teams, our customer service teams, our finance teams, and so forth. And so everybody had a chance to give a briefing. And what I did was I said, we need to get into a cadence here, because I know if you want to change behavior, mm -hmm. and you want to reinforce, you have to do this several times. So for, for about five weeks, I ran this call five days a week. And, and it was disciplined. And, and we had some fun with it. And one day I said, I need you all dressed up because we're going to have a special guest. And everybody's thinking it was the chairman of Finning. And, and uh, of course, he did come on at one point in time. And when we announced, uh, when we joined on the call, um, I said, the special guest is you. You see, you're all really important to us and you always have been important to us. And it was like week five and people had, some people were starting to grow beards and, and maybe they weren't getting dressed up to go to work because they were going into their living room. But I wanted to make them feel important and I, I wanted to shake it up a little bit. Just kind of one example of how we, we shook it up a bit. But what we did with these calls was we drove alignment, we drove purpose, we educated them, and we created a sense of urgency because I didn't want people sitting on their couch making puzzles. And everybody started to just realize that we all counted on each other and we all needed each other right. and it started it really worked over the last uh two weeks uh i backed it off to three days a week because what i i didn't want to do was overdo it so i started saying monday wednesday friday we're going to do that and i started inviting uh guests from finning to join the call because finning is so much larger than than this organization that that my employees had an, an appetite for what's happening on a bigger scale. How's COVID-19 affecting a, a large organization like Finning? And so Scott Thompson, um, who's the president and CEO of Finning, came on. Great speaker, really well regarded by the people. And we had a great session and he, he you know, he was very transparent. Then we had Greg Palaszczuk, who's the CFO, and, and we had a number of Finning executives come on and they continue to come on to help us understand what's going on, not only in Canada, but what's happening in South America, what's happening in Europe uh, okay. with the Finning organization and so forth. And then what I do on 
uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays is I go deeper into the organization. So I'll say, get every one of our salespeople on and I'll have a conversation with them. Get all of our supervisors on, all of our credit and collections people. And, and so it's a chance for me to really connect with all the employees. Now, we have to have high energy, we have to have purpose, we have to be real about it, and we have to be transparent. Uh, we do a lot of storytelling. Uh, we make sure that who, whatever leader is talking makes it real so right. it's, it's, it's meaningful to the average person to connect with. And it's just gone on extremely well. The alignment of all the teams and the mood and morale is very, very high. And it's a reinforcement of us caring for our people the way we always have. Great. Well, what an inspiring story. Um, Larry, what's the breakdown between uh, uh, in, your, in your organization between people who are frontline staff and people who are working in the corporate offices? So I would say um, it's four to one. So uh, the vast majority of my employees are frontline. And what we we quickly, you know, communicated to the marketplace. We are what's called a contactless service. So often, like we're extremely busy at night. So our employees, and we've taken all the necessary precautions to keep them safe, both in our facilities and when when they're out serving customers. But for the most part, it is absolutely contactless. And, and then we're communicating with them through the supervisors and so forth. Uh, and then the balance are, are really administrative and support staff. The other thing I did want to say is we talk a lot about uh, liquidity and we talk a lot about cash. And, and what I mean by that is when you hear the expression cash is king, more right. than anything, you know, I'm shocked about how how many companies aren't prepared for these rainy days. And you hear about the percentages of businesses that only have enough cash to get through a month or two months and then they're in serious trouble. And it's really a most unfortunate situation, which I, <clears throat> I think is going to drive a lot of change in the future. But I believe in being as transparent as you can to your employees so they understand the why. You know, I had a, a lawyer from New York, really smart guy, good friend of mine, said to me, Larry, you always have to answer the question why for your people. Why are you doing this? What does it mean? And so I thought I would be as transparent as I could on cash and collections, bad debt and so forth to everybody because we all play a part in ensuring we get paid for the services that we render. And it's it's gone very well. People understand the situation, they understand what they have to do, and they understand how they impact you know, the overall process of ultimately getting paid for your services. Um, yeah. Wow. What one piece of advice would you give other executives and leaders? Communication has always been uh, top of mind for me uh, throughout my entire career. That hasn't changed. And, and, and uh, I have to tell you, along with communication comes availability. So it's one thing to use the tools we have, which may be a newsletter, an email blast, <clears throat> but I think they need to they need to see you as much as they can. So through tools of, of um, you know, digital matters, how do you get in front of your people? And so communication in, in all. So, so like I said, I've had 25 uh, leadership calls, noon hour calls, uh, broadcast messages, uh, um, deep dive calls. But being available and then just calling employees randomly that you don't normally talk to. So as, when I say communication, 
I also mean right there with it is being available. Being available so people know that you're going through this with them and you understand what they need and what they're feeling and what they're going through. Wow, that's that's great advice, Larry. Thank you for sharing your insights as well. Uh, that's all for today's episode of How I Lead Change. Thank you again, uh, Larry, for, for sharing your insights. And uh, to the listeners, thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Now go out there and be successful at change. Thanks for having me. Be safe. Thank you.